This might be the biggest flight of fancy we've taken thus far on Remembering the Days, where we explore the history of the University of South Carolina. I'm inviting you to become a time traveler with me. Virtually speaking, of course. Hey, in this era of COVID-19, we've gotten used to doing things virtually. Our time-traveling destination will be the campus of South Carolina College, the precursor of the University of South Carolina, in the year 1840. To go back in time, we won't need Scotty to beam us up, but we will have to engage all of our senses, seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, and smelling. And trust me, there was a lot to smell in 1840. I'm Chris Horn, your host for Remembering the Days, and today we're going to take one flying leap back in time on memory lane. Mark Smith is coming along as our historical tour guide. Mark is a Carolina Distinguished Professor of History who has written several books about the sensory experience of the past, basically thinking about history with the five senses in mind. Just remember that we're going to bring our 21st century sensibilities to mid-19th century sight, smells, and sounds, so this could be interesting. Okay, get ready. Dust off your sense of imagination, because we're taking off. Okay, we're here on the horseshoe, and it looks sort of the same as I remember it from 2020. Lots of trees, and there's the Maxi Monument, but phew, what's that smell? Oh, there it is. Watch your step. Fresh pile of horse manure. And that's got to be chickens or some kind of poultry behind those buildings over there. It is 1840. Horse and carriage is the main mode of travel, and all the professors live here on the horseshoe with chicken coops nearby. Hey, I'm catching a whiff of something else that's quite aromatic. Mark, help us out here. As far as I'm, I'm aware, uh, there weren't any uh, sewage systems on the campus, at least until the 20th century, uh, which lent the campus a, a certain uh, pungency in a different way. I get it. Outhouses. In 1840, outhouses are across campus in the whole city of Columbia. Indoor plumbing won't show up here in a big way until the early 1900s. Well, speaking of basic technology, there is no air conditioning in 1840. The absence of air conditioning. Well, that has all sorts of implications. The first is you don't hear air conditioning because it doesn't exist. The second is um, body odor. So if it's hot and there's no air conditioning, you're going to sweat more. And that means people will smell more, at least to our noses. But to their noses, it didn't register. Or at least not in the same way it would register with us. Okay, we're not going to bother visiting a classroom today. I think we've smelled enough for now. But man, it's so quiet here. You can hear the insects chirping. I didn't notice until just this moment, and of course it should be obvious, but there isn't any mechanical noise. No traffic, no sirens. Just kind of a natural buzz across the horseshoe. Well, you wouldn't have heard cars, you wouldn't have heard aeroplanes, you wouldn't have heard any electromagnetic noise whatsoever, you'd have heard no industrial noise as we would appreciate it. You would not have had the ability to cut out sound on campus, as people do today, with ear pods. But you would have heard voices. Now, there would have been different voices. They would have been male voices, almost exclusively. And you would have heard some things that you can still hear today. The bell, for example. You can still hear bells in the city of Columbia. 
and you could have heard the bell on the campus of the University of South Carolina, South Carolina College. Well, there was a bell that called students to class in Rutledge College, which back then was one of the tallest buildings on the campus. It's important to recognize that the visual landscape of the university would have been quite different in terms of height, and that's really a function of technology. Look around the university now, and you'll see turrets piercing the sky. They're large buildings. They jut. They have a statement about authority. They also are a function of limited land usage. You certainly wouldn't have seen anything as high. That doesn't mean to say that people didn't think that the buildings surrounding their campus or on their campus weren't high, because it's all relative. So yeah, something that's 250 feet would not have been there at the time. Something that's 50 feet would have been considered quite tall. Time traveling is making me kind of hungry. We could go to the steward's hall to grab a bite. In 1840, that was roughly the equivalent of the dining hall in Russell House. All the students went there to eat. But frankly, the food wasn't all that good back then from what I hear. There are stories about students at South Carolina College around this time who were constantly complaining about being served biscuits with worms and rancid meat. There was actually something called the Great Biscuit Rebellion that happened here in 1852. Some historians think it was the first instance of student activism on a college campus in America. Half of the students actually left the college in their protest over the crappy food. So I suspect that these moments of rejecting food are about two things. First, that they found the taste abhorrent, and B, they didn't think it fitting their station that uh, bread with worms in it was entirely inappropriate for a young gentleman, as well as being just wretchedly distasteful. But for me, the interesting question is, you know, what was it about this repulsion against this food? What, why? Was it just because it was horrible? Or did it also say something about we need to be treated differently? Well, the young men who attended South Carolina College in 1840 certainly expected to be treated differently. As white males born into mostly wealthy families, they were among the most privileged individuals in the Palmetto State at that time. Regrettably, the college wouldn't admit women or people of color until many decades later. There's a few students over by the Maxi Monument, and it looks like they're shaking hands. That's a custom that doesn't appear to have changed much over time, though few of us 21st century time travelers are shaking anyone's hand in this era of COVID-19. Handshaking was something that was reserved for exchanges between men of a similar class, especially white men of a similar class. It doesn't mean to say that they never shook hands with lower class white men. They did, but largely this was something limited to the elites. And how one shook one's hands mattered. There was a, a conveyance of masculinity in the shake of a hand. Well, we don't need to shake on it. We've already sealed the deal by using all five senses to virtually experience the South Carolina College campus in 1840. Pardon the pun, but we've only scratched and sniffed the surface today. So if you want to learn more about sensory history, why not check out one of Mark Smith's books? You might like The Smell of Battle, The Taste of Siege, A Sensory History of the Civil War, or his latest entitled Sensing the past, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching in history. In the meantime, stop by campus sometime if you can. There are plenty of sensory experiences here every day that might transport you back to your own student days. No time travel required. For the University of South Carolina Office of Communications and Public Affairs, I'm Chris Horn. See you next time.
on Remembering the Days.